Hi, this is Friends of Friends. We took some time to chat to Dave, also known as DJ Okapi, the founder of Afrocent. We hope you enjoy the interview. Hey man, how are you doing? I'm doing well, man. Thanks, yeah. That's good, that's good. Thank you for taking um, some time out of your Saturday to chat. It's a pleasure. So, so I'm going to start off with the, it's like the most uh, probably obvious question that one would ask maybe, but um, how did you get into the music scene um, or into like starting a record label or DJing, whatever you may see that question as? Yeah, okay. Um, how did I get into music? Uh, I've always been into m- music, I think, uh, more than my friends and more than people around me, I think. Growing up, music was always like a, an escape for me, or like quite a quite a important part of my life. I think more than it was for for most people around me. And I was always kind of more um, curious about l- discovering music instead of just like um, enjoying music with other people or whatever like that. You know, so I was always kind of into old music, for example, or exploring yeah. old types of music. Or you know, I, when I was Growing up, it was the the 90s, so there were CD stores. I would hang out in the CD store all day and just listen to CDs, basically. And that was like my music education, I suppose. I played some instruments and things, but not seriously and not very well. And by the time I got into matric, I got into production. And I spent like a year or two just really in in fruity loops and just like exploring Mm -hmm. that stuff. Um, And also then realizing that I'm I'm, I'm not necessarily cut, cut out for it. And I think around that time I started getting into into records, and uh, I started DJing when I was at um, I was at UCT from 2000 and uh, 2003 to 2005. And during that time, I started on UCT radio, and I also got uh, a weekly gig at Marvel in Long Street, which is a place that's still there. Yeah. Um, and I started I started. I did a few gigs at like Gandalfs and there was a club called Evil and you in Cape Town, right? Yeah. Do you understand Cape Town? Yes, yeah, I so know I all those. Yeah. So like there were rock clubs and all kinds of stuff. And I just got into to DJing that way. And um, after I started getting into DJing and, and collecting records, because growing up, I, I was only, you know, it was all about CDs and maybe cassettes to a certain extent, but not about vinyl at all. Yeah. Uh, when I started DJing and I started finding one or two record stores in Cape Town and building up a collection of, of records and then um, playing records in my DJ sets, like a combination of CDs and records, I suppose. Um, that's when I started uh, discovering the the music that has kind of become most central to me, which is South African uh, bubblegum music, disco music yes. from the 80s. So it's only after I started music that I think I really found my uh, niche as a DJ and also then as a as a kind of as of somebody who's aspiring to be like a music journalist or like a historian a researcher and this kind of stuff so I started really digging deeper just into this one kind of music really and, and maybe more generally into into South African music and trying to um, push like American music or, or European music a little bit away because that was the music I've kind of always grown up with or been 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 more exposed to as my kind of reference point you know yeah. so um, as an adult or as a young adult and as a student I, that's kind of when I, I think I, I discovered the music that I'm most passionate about and then I started getting into DJing that way and record collecting 
Uh, I moved up to Johannesburg in 2000 and, um, 2009. And then I started finding even more records because the music industry, the South African music industry was, you know, Joburg was the center of it, not Cape Town, you know. So you find a lot more records and a lot mm. more musicians and stuff here. So I started learning a lot more uh, after I moved up here. Uh, and then um, this idea or, or this kind of thing of, of being a DJ who plays only South African music or largely South African music, that kind of reached kind of fruition. And I found an audience here um, and overseas through 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 my what was just a blog uh, that I set up in around 2008, 2009 as well. Um, all just dedicated to kind of preserving South African music, you know? Um, so I, I guess I realized I'm, I'm not necessarily cut out to be a performer or musician or producer, but yeah. as a DJ and as someone who just um, enjoys uncovering and spending time listening to records to discover like those few tracks that you like or, or that people can relate to. Um, yeah. That's what I, I discovered, I guess, is my main um, asset in terms of music, uh, my main kind of skill. So um, I started selling records around 2015 or 2016, I suppose. First, yeah. just at some markets like flea markets in, in Maboneng, where I used to live in central Joburg. Uh, and then after a little while, I opened up a, a shop also there in Maboneng, um, also called AfroSynth. So just like an extension of what I'd been doing with the blog and DJing and stuff before okay. that. Um, trying to generate some kind of income out of it, I suppose, as well. And, and make not necessarily a full-time living out of music, but just um, supplement or, or start moving in that direction to try and professionalize this thing, you know, not, not just um, do it as a hobby. So I was selling records um, and as soon as I opened the shop, actually, I, I started getting uh, invited to DJ overseas as well. And, and then things kind of grew quite quickly from there. Yeah. So w when I started getting invited to, to DJ overseas, uh, uh, around the same time, I suppose, I, I was forming a relationship with, with a company in, in the Netherlands called Rush Hour, who've enabled me to to also uh, license and reissue music as well. And, and in doing so, uh, set up AfroSynth as a label as well, you know? So all these things kind of came gradually, but but around that time I opened the shop, things started developing a bit more quickly. Mm. And, and I started for, for a couple of, for maybe two or three years, I was able to actually make a full-time living out of music um, between selling records in the shop and being able to travel overseas. Um, uh, and also I suppose, uh, sell some records via the label as well but that's that's kind of a separate thing and it's hard to okay you don't really generate money from that it's more just like reinvesting it back into the next release so that just in terms of making a living out of music i was kind of doing that okay um, but uh, I, it, it, it was harder you know it's not an easy thing to make a living out of music so i i did um at a certain point realize you know i have, I have a, a family i have two kids now so it's hard to to be a professional DJ and earn a reliable income, you know, even long before the lockdown, it was like that, especially playing music, maybe that's not just house music or music that has a mass appeal, you know? So um, I've always supplemented now or after those first few years of the shop and the label, I've, I've balanced my uh, professional life in terms of like being involved in music and also having a, a job in the media, uh, which is a fairly media, like menial job. It's just as a sub editor in the, in the news, but but that's kind of what I 
since during the lockdown and and mm. even before then you know i've used to to be able to uh earn a living and kind of pay the bills uh, and in doing so then it 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 still enables you to pursue music in, in the way that you want to and it doesn't become like a pressurized thing that you you have to you have to make x amount of money every month from music because then the 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 um the love disappears immediately yes, you know so yes. so um so I've been very fortunate that I, that I, I've been able to make progress in music, but but at the same time I've never, um, or, or not for long at least, I've, I haven't had to rely solely on music because it's also a very challenging way to to make a living. Yeah. Yeah, and um, and then just almost like a question on what you were speaking about there a lot about mm. how it's received and how especially playing only South African music or like mm. that that niche is mm. do you find that it's received mm. better in south africa because it's almost like you know the whole saying local is lacquer or or do you find it's uh, received better overseas um or, yeah or, um know? in terms of how south african music is received uh it really i think often in the past I, i've given the impression maybe that it's like always better received overseas and somehow in mm. south africa people uninterested or whatever but it's not as simple as that obviously and it, it often um comes down to the promoter who, who books me or books another dj playing this kind of music and the venue and the time and the who's playing before who's playing after whatever you know so um there are audiences in south africa that are very enthusiastic and appreciative of uh bubblegum music or, or south african dj playing south african music um and people here maybe uh because they understand the context or they recognize the music often they they can appreciate it on a deeper level than um a teenager in in you know somewhere in europe who, who's <laughs> high on drugs and just partying and they just love this crazy music whatever you know so um it's not yeah so so they, they, there's an audience for, for the music it, both inside South Africa and outside South mm -hmm. Africa. I would say um, I've had more opportunities outside South Africa. Um, and perhaps it's easier to play because I think the kind of, you know, like there's something for everybody overseas, especially, but in South Africa, the scene is smaller. So um, it's harder to operate outside of the mainstream in, in South Africa. Yeah, sorry, I was just telling. No, it's all good. It's all good. Um, yeah, so 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 in Europe, I think it's it's a bit easier to 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 um to get a big ego or to get to to, to be confident playing this music. Whereas in South Africa, it's like a, it's more of a challenge. But with the right promoter in the right venue, the uh, and if, if you know if a DJ is confident in playing the music uh, that they that they're feeling at that moment, then it can work anywhere, definitely, yeah. yeah. Okay, perfect. Um, yeah, I, I, like I assume so. Was, was also I find a lot of people like always just say like, like even bands and, and musicians, um, people who create music as well. They always even say like their music is received better overseas um, than um, than than in South Africa. But often uh, mm. I I even think it could come down to it's just this better pay overseas. So it seems like they it's received better. Um, but exactly. not... like like you're not going to struggle with the sound system. You're not or you're less likely to have little things like that or whatever. And yeah, it's just 
it's just how it goes. And it says something that a lot of um, international DJs or maybe musicians still as well, but when they come to perform in South Africa, they, they see something in a South African audience that maybe they don't mm. see in Europe. Yeah. Maybe some people, when they get into when they get into it, maybe they get into it even more here, or, 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 or there's something about it here. So, um, every yeah, every every city, I suppose, has its own identity, and 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 um, every venue uh, can kind of succeed or can put on a good party with the right promoters or whatever, and the right yes. the right combination of factors, or it can <clears throat> in any place it can be a flop as well with the with the wrong combination of factors as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then and then again on South African music and the, the niche mm. you found in in mm. uh, bubblegum and uh, mm. that sphere. Um, mm. obviously the listen the, the music you listen to growing up can obviously shape shape the way you um, your your influences and all of that will shape what you play. I know you touched on that a tiny bit with how you used to go to record stores and um, mm. and and get cassettes and CDs and all that. Yeah. Um, yeah. But but was there like a definitive point when you where you were like, this is what I'm gonna do? Because I don't think you've um, you've blatantly explained that yet. Um, forgive me if you have. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's an interesting question. Um, in terms of like this the, the style of, of music itself, you mean? Eh? Yes. That's yes. Yes. Um, look, I think it was a it was like a, a learning process, you know. Um, I think I wouldn't have got it into it so much if I hadn't realized early on that there was like a, a weird disconnect or a weird problem um, growing up in South Africa where, where, where we switch on the radio and it's normally American music mm. or we, you know, we switch between different channels and it's like the same American artists playing on the different channels, whatever, you know? So, that we that we're just more familiar with it so when i was growing up i maybe didn't question it and i just in, enjoyed uh you know it was the 90s so it was like rock and hip-hop and r&b and all kinds of stuff that i was uh, that that i was familiar with and that i enjoyed and i didn't question it maybe until um no i mean i was still into south african music to a certain extent you know like i would have found mm. some south african maybe more likely south african jazz cds i think in my collection as a teenager like um, I think I had Jimmy Tludlu and like Sipo Gomede and just like stuff that I'd had give, been given as gifts or I just yeah. picked up at a store or whatever. So I wasn't unfamiliar with South African music, but like specifically the disco stuff, I think I only um, uncovered, uncovered it where, when I started getting into records because the huge majority of it was never released on CD um, and it was obviously never played on, on the radio and stuff, so on the TV, you know, so... Uh, it was through discovering records at a relatively late age, maybe like 18 or 19 or something, um, that I really started to appreciate the specific scene of South African disco. Yeah. Um, my reference, I guess, and when I was looking for the records, or when I first found these records, I was probably looking for uh, the American equivalent of that music, you know, which is 80s, R&B, funk, uh, that kind of stuff, like, 80s funk basically mm. you know from america or from other parts of the world and then i started finding these records that looked the same but they were made locally and i would recognize some of the artists or whatever you know like brenda fussy's obviously even if, if you grow up in south africa even if you're not familiar with her music you you, you know the name and stuff so, yes yeah um and i would just 
and I would spend lots of time just watching TV, SABC, whatever. So I, w- I wouldn't be completely out of the loop in terms of local artists. And it was also the time of Kwaito, you know, the mid '90s, late '90s, uh, and that stuff was, was 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 what was the pop music of the day, not not disco music, you know. So um, it was a gradual process to 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 want to learn more about what what South African music is, and to try to also learn. Um, why that music from that era wasn't preserved at all and, and people didn't know about it and why you couldn't yeah. find information or hear this, the songs if, if you wanted to even, you know. So it just opened, like it started, started just, just like a step-by-step thing to to um, to really appreciate the, the, the full size. And I'm still on that journey. Like I'm still finding records from that time I haven't heard or... Um, connecting with artists or producers from that time or whatever and, and finding out new stuff about it so in a way it's it's like it's my it's been a way to like um identify as a south african or just mm-hmm. to find value yeah. in what it means to be a, a, especially as a white south african maybe or just as a south african in general like what is it that makes us what is it that makes me south african and in a way it's it's my it's my love for the music itself, you know. Yeah, it's been a yeah. process that I've kind of had to learn more as an adult than as a as a child, I suppose. But but um, yeah, I'll leave it at that. Yeah, yeah. I, I find there is something like definitely something like beautiful or like almost like it sounds very cliche, but like something like home about South African music. Um, yeah. Like uh, like I only recently got into collecting records as as well, and then mm-hmm. when and then. Someone's going through the record store and stuff, and then finding some local stuff. It's like, especially like from like the the eighties and stuff that that you, I, like I've almost never heard of before because it's just this, yeah. it's almost just this whole era of South African music that's been pushed down. Like everybody I've seen knows like the Johnny Clegg, like this, mm. this but mm. but like there's a whole other Not side more, yeah. to um to South African music, and I think it's like beautiful. It's just like this gift that keeps on like unwrapping. Like there's just more and more and more. Um, exactly, and it's not something that's like. Uh, or for, it's not something that like is um, only relegated to history because uh, it, it's it's also a way to you know if you're into contemporary music, if you're into house music or 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 I'm a piano or whatever you know, and if you take a deep interest in it, you 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 would benefit you know, or a young musician or young producer would benefit yeah. from understanding what came before what. What was what's happening now, you know? So yes. it's this like the start. Well, the stuff came before it, obviously, but in terms of electronic music, it's also the start of, of what people know today. So for people who, who who place more value on what's happening now, what's coming up in the future, which is which is what most people do um, in terms of music, uh, there, there's still some value in just acknowledging what 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 came before it. I think. Yeah. Yes. Yes. For sure. And. Um... And then, and then this is a more like it's obviously you, but a more Afrocentric-related question. Mm. Um, do you have any favorite release that you've put out, or any or any like release you're still hoping to put out, like whether it be a genre or if there's, I'm not sure if you can mm. speak too much on it, or if it's just, or if uh, it's like unbiased. No, no. Um, well, yeah. I mean, I've got a, a few. There's a few more releases lined up, like for this year. That that it's like done and dusted and then it's like mm-hmm. you know, it gets put in production basically so so that stuff 
is is set but the stuff beyond that i am planning and i'm, I'm making progress but it's not necessarily like confirmed yet so i wouldn't yeah. want to okay. it by, by saying too much <laughs> but, but but um in terms of like the the disco stuff that has been the focus of the label i, I think the stuff that or the, the the release that gives me the most um satisfaction i suppose has been uh the compilation by Ntombi and daba which was like the second or the third release that came out i think in 2018 or so mm -hmm. it's just six of our tracks called tomorrow um and it's sold relatively well but but i realized that like you know selling records is not the the kind of end goal in terms yeah. of uh getting the artist to benefit the, the actual uh what what you want to happen from the album is to get bookings to perform as well, and that's mm -hmm. what was happening with with Ntombi before uh, lockdown started. You know, she got booked, uh, and Issa Williams, a South African in the UK, he put together a band for her, uh, and she was she was doing it. You know, and on stage it was just amazing. I was there for her first few gigs, and and it was the first time she's performed in like twenty five years or something. And, that's um, yeah, and she didn't, I mean, we got a few gigs into it before kind of things, uh, obviously the gigs started getting cancelled because of because of uh, COVID and everything. Um, but there's still potential for her to carry on. But but that, you know, after things return to normal um, and hopefully things can can kind of pick up where they left off. But for me, that was like the, the artist that I'm, I was able to um, kind of do the most for you know and and help get her set up in a in a way that hopefully she can really benefit and it's not just um what is normally the case with reissues where it's like you sign a contract with a label and and you'll be lucky if they even tell the artist that their thing is getting released or let alone yeah. pay them anything you know so in this way i was able to help her a lot more and get you know form a closer connection with her um what i've also yeah. been other side of the label that I've been quite happy with is how well um, the New Horizons jazz compilation. Yeah, that's, that's stunning. Thank you, man. Yeah. And that's been a, a, a really quite a relief to be able to move uh, beyond old music, uh, although it's not unreleased music and all the stuff on the compilation, almost all of it had been released in the last few years, but just to be able to um, branch out into something else has been great. Mm. And the the response in South Africa has actually been way better. I've been able to sell a lot more uh, of those records in South Africa than the disco reissues, where you know, which gets back to your earlier question. But I guess that's also more related just to the, the mark, the vinyl size of the vinyl buying market in comparison yeah. to South Africa is quite small. So, so whereas like the disco reissues, they sell a majority of them in Europe quite easily, and I don't have to bring many over. And if I do it's a more of a struggle to sell the new horizons comp sold really really well and actually i couldn't i couldn't bring enough here it sold out and i, I kept you know and then eventually we sold out so that's why a second volume is coming out uh later in the year and i suppose that's been the main project for this year and the, the mm -hmm. thing that i've been able to put uh that's required most of my attention in terms of the label um but i'm really excited uh to see how that's received as well and you know, I would love to be able to uh, get them onto CD as well at some point as well, because there are a lot of people, especially in South Africa, who, um, you know, like I said, records are, are are not for everybody. Maybe they used to yes. be at some point in the past, but or even in the past, I think they were they were they were not 
not everybody could afford them, but but particularly so, you know, today it's really uh, it's not for everybody. Um, when I started getting into records, it, it was like because they were cheaper than CDs, and it was cheaper to build up a collection because any record yes. is like ten rand or twenty rand or something. But now yeah. every record is like three hundred, five hundred, whatever. So <laughs> um, it's hard to it's hard to 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 get uh, to expect everybody to just buy a record, you know. And people who get a bit um, frustrated. Uh, with, with the fact that Afrosynth is like doing focusing on vinyl, I, I would hope to be able to uh, move beyond that. I mean, I, most of the releases on Afrosynth are available digitally as well, but I, I kind of yes. like the idea of, of being able to put out a jazz uh, New Horizons on CD as well might yes. be something. But there's no there's no definite plans, and it might not happen at all. But yeah. but I'd like to be able to kind of. Um, you know, keep selling New Horizons and, and keep it as like a, a, a slice or a snapshot of, of what contemporary South African jazz a, has been doing over the over the last couple of years. Yes. Um, yeah. So that release has been something that I, I've, I've I've kind of yeah. it's required a lot of work, but it's like been a, a cool uh, journey to, to yes. branch a little bit away from just reissuing and licensing and focusing on on the more on, on music from yes. 30 years ago, a lifetime ago. I find it. I find it is really cool. Like with the with the reissues as well. Like how, it, like for instance, mainly for me, the one that I was most stoked with was the was the Fly Cherry Fly one. Um, oh, cool, I, I find like I, I was just I just found it so cool what you were doing. Like and how like you like because it was like so rare. I couldn't find it anywhere. I could only find rips. <laughs> yeah, I never had it myself either. Yeah. And then um and then making it available digitally and then also on, on vinyl. I remember at first I thought it was just vinyl, so like sweet bought it, mm-hmm. and then I saw it was like on Spotify, Bandcamp. I was like, oh wow. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So that was really really cool. Oh, thanks, so, man. I, I, yeah, that was a cool and and um. That's a good example, I suppose. Burning Beat was, was a similar case where, like, it's not a record that I knew about until people started approaching me and said, like, where can I find it? Or, like, why is this thing so expensive? And, and only then yeah. or another DJ started playing it or whatever. Uh, and then uh, because I, I, I've, I've formed relationships with the record labels here in Joburg, I, I, I'm, like, closer to the, the source of the music. So even though I, I didn't necessarily break the record, you know, like, I wasn't the first DJ to play it, or I, I never even yes. owned a copy of it. I, I'm able to um, find the master tapes, which is the main thing in terms of ensuring the the sound quality of the reissue. You know, you find the original tapes, so you don't have to have to um, master from a a, a record which yes, is not going to yes. produce the the same quality. Uh, and then to be able to license it. Uh, legally is another side of it so it's th- through the the label um and then that way you can get it onto digital platforms and make sure everything is is legit um and then the third aspect is also being up in Gauteng is, is where uh captain moses still lives you know so i, I was able to to find him and, and buy him lunch and like give him the record and just chat to him interview him That's a bit very about cool. as well and hopefully you know i don't think the label is necessarily gonna gonna find him and pay him, but but I'll be able to when I get paid out for the race, I can share some, I can give him some money as well. He's kind of given up on on hope of capitalizing on it, but it's still uh, it's his only solo album, so it's still something that at some point in his life he put a lot of effort into it, you know. So yes. um I, I hope to. It, I hope to like include him in the process as well, and, and, and not to say that he's necessarily still performing or whatever, like in Tombi, but um, 
to at least get him involved and to to get his blessing, I guess, yes. is the main thing, you know, and yes. just to know that he's that I'm doing it with the intention of of preserving his legacy in a way. Yes. And that sounds a bit like grandiose, or whatever. And it's not to say that I can make a lot of money for him, but at least people know. Or a few more mm -hmm. people know who he is or that he's still yeah. around. It's and more than it's, just selling records, yeah. Yeah, it's like selling his, not selling, but just like preserving yes. his story or just like acknowledging him before he passes on because a lot of, um, you know, obviously we know in the last year or two, so many people have passed away, including musicians, but yeah. in the past like 10 years or so that I've been like up here uh, interviewing artists and, and like trying to... Uh, sometimes just record an interview or just like find out information about them or whatever. Um, inevitably, you know, they, they pass away at the age of like 60 or at a relatively young age, you know, and their, their stories disappear, you know? So yeah. um, it's, it's, it's that, that whole process of like all, the older generation uh, leaving before they, they get a chance to kind of, get acknowledged for their efforts. Yes, yes. Um, that whole thing has kind of accelerated in the last year too, but it's been happening for, for, for years before that as well, that that South African history isn't really uh, recorded in the same way as like music history in other countries or in, in Western developed countries is whatever, you know. So there's a lot of information and 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 culture and music and, 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 and knowledge and wisdom and everything that, that just evaporates when somebody passes away you know so that was one of my i guess um motivating factors to mm. to really like try and learn about this stuff and then preserve it and, and share information for for younger people you know yes yeah yeah i'm yeah, um, like people like me are benefiting off it even i'm 22 so <laughs> and and like and even even when I go on your sites and then was reading up about uh, the Fly Cherry Fly record, like just reading up. Oh. But even even that little bit it was like a short, but it like it changed the record so much okay. for me because before it was just something I always like. For instance, heard on Spotify, uh, not on Spotify, on SoundCloud is like a rip, and it was like, oh, this is mad, can't find it anywhere. But there's a story yeah. behind it. Um, there's a person yeah, I, behind it. Um, oh. So yeah, I find that really cool. But um, cool. but yes, I'm gonna move to, to uh, one or two. Oh more lighthearted or not lighthearted but more like fun questions and then we okay. can um call it a day okay um, uh, so so when are you most having or, or when do you have the most fun whether it be as a dj a person a journalist or when do i have the most fun um hmm. uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a tricky question i guess so i want to um I don't want to exclude my family from it. <laughs> but yeah, no, and fun is not something that's been like a priority over the last uh, year or two, you know? It's almost like talking to you about DJing as like, it's a, it's like a bit in the past tense, you know, because I, I don't even know when, if or when I'm going to get a chance to to play again. You know, I do love, yes. I do love DJing, but I don't like, uh, crave it for my own validation or something you know and I, i'm i'm more focused now i think especially as i get older on on the label and that's what i can do for my my whole life i think um in terms of fun you know on a simple like musical level i think yeah just connecting with an audience especially in a in a in a new city or something or in a, in a in a new environment um 
is kind of a priceless feeling that I do miss, you know, and that is, I guess, the closest to to fun, you know, if that's what you're using, you know. Um, just doing a good gig, uh, especially out, in, it, it, actually it could be in a club, I suppose, but for me, you know, during, even during the day on a beach or whatever, yeah. like that, it's amazing as well, you know. So um, I do miss that kind of stuff, and that is obviously a lot of fun. There's a lot of hard work that goes into being able to get those gigs, just even if it's just on a practical level to travel and, and to, you know, to be organized and be on time and have your music ready and stuff. Um, so it's not all fun, but but there is a fun aspect of it when you can share music with people. Um, yeah. And yeah, maybe let me leave it at that, you know. Yes, yes. I, I do, um, and we keep it in the in the musical Wrong. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, yeah. And, and then on you saying like that often it's like it can be playing um, a gig or uh, playing to a crowd that receives it well that you connect with. Mm. Um, mm. Obviously, uh, we, uh, as we spoke about earlier, um, mm. we had an interview with, with Trepanado recently and he, um, yeah. and he obviously ran Salvagem. How was it playing there? Because I saw you on one of the lineup posters. Um, yeah, you know, that I think, uh, unless I'm mistaken, I think those are the last gigs I've done. I don't think I've played any gigs since then. Oh, wow. You know, besides any, that was December 2019. Um, I don't, I maybe I had one, or, maybe a gig or two in Kitchener's or something at the beginning of the following year, but but it was quite of a sudden um, awakening or like a rude awakening when the lockdown hit, you know, like because I just done this trip to, to Brazil, I'd never been to South America yeah. before, um, and and you know I've been able to travel to a, stu a few like kind of strange places in the last few years, like China and Russia, to do gigs. But Brazil just felt like a whole nother level because, um, in a way, it like it's obviously its own place, but it felt a lot more similar to South Africa than than anywhere else I'd been, um, and I just felt. I don't know. It maybe sounds a bit silly, but I just felt like I I I I wasn't like completely out of place, even though there was a, a language barrier and stuff. Yes, yes. Um, I in terms of the gig, the gigs went went well. Um, especially the first one, which is an outdoor gig in in um, in Rio. We started, then we went to São Paulo afterwards. Yeah. Um, so it was great, and, and you know. Um, so, Salva Gem is cool. I did a, a party with Milos as well, who was um, yeah. Augusto's former partner at Salva Gem. He, uh, I don't know if he still is, but he was running a, a, a bar there. Um, I'll confirm the name. Yeah, but a really cool like music music bar. So I, I got yes. to hang out with him a bit and just see the place. And I was there for That's a few days. Cool. Um, it was great, you know, yeah. I, at the time though, uh, I was still working during the day because I work online, so I was still like Monday to Friday, I was like at my desk, clocking, <laughs> clocking in to South Africa. So I couldn't really like get deep into it in a way that I just like have two weeks off and yes, yes. party every night and whatever. But but I do get to see plenty and also just like chill plenty as well. You get to see a different side of things and, and meet cool people as well. Uh, so it was an amazing experience. Um, I would love to go back, obviously. Often, I think with a tour to a new place, sometimes like the first one you do, it's great, but but it's like you, maybe people aren't so familiar with you or 
it actually starts getting better the second time you go or the third time you go and you can form relationships or you're a bit more confident with the venues or you've been there before yes, and yes. it's a bit easier. So, so, I mean, who knows, maybe in the future I get a chance to go back there or at least just take a vacation there or something. But it, it was amazing. He was a, he was a really cool professional uh, host and you got to hang out with him. Uh, and yeah, it was amazing. I mean, it, mm. yeah, Augusto in a way is kind of similar to me that we've been doing this for a while and we have our wife and our kids and our job outside mm. of music, thankfully. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I, I really could relate to him really easily, and, and we um, we both going grey and stuff, and and uh, <laughs> we are we at the same kind of level or same space in our lives. So it was, yes. it was an amazing experience, and I'm I'm really grateful um, that they invited me. Yeah, I can only I can only be thankful for that, you know. Yes, yeah, that must have been very cool, and and and, and actually, as as you're saying it now, I can I can almost picture the similarities in um, in um, in that. Um, yeah. So, so uh, I have one more question, and then if you have okay. any closing closing thoughts, anything you want to add or say. Um, but my last question is: it's kind of something maybe difficult to answer, and if you don't really have an answer, you can just say so. But is there any hopes or anything you have for like the South African music scene, or any um, or any like goal you see, like like where you'd like to see it in like a couple of years, let's say two years, three years, or whatever? Or is it not something you really give thought no. to? No, I do. Uh, I do. Uh, you know, I'm more um, my kind of headspace and my music is more obviously located in the past. But I do often think about um, the state of the industry, and it is something I've I've often asked the older generation of artists as well, in terms of how they feel about it. Um, and I suppose, you know, I, I would maybe give you different answers depending on just how I'm feeling in the moment or, or whatever's happening, but. I think in general, um, especially maybe as South Africans, we 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 love to like break stuff down and say like, oh, you know, it's it was it was it was great in the old days or whatever. If you want to yes, say that, yes. I, I, like now it sucks or like now you can't make a living or now there's no potential or whatever. But you're not helping much by yes, like yes. having those debates, you know. So. In general, I think it helps us to be to try and be positive or to find solutions. You know, like I'm not a musician myself, but I, I'm working in the business of music. Um, I have a lot of respect and kind of uh, empathy for musicians because it's a it's a calling for a lot of people that they can't necessarily. It's not a choice for them. They just are musicians, or like they they've become musicians. You know, and that's what they are. Um, so they have to try and make a living of it and there has to be a way that they can make a living somehow. Um, so how are we going to find solutions or how are they going to do that? You know, and that's what the debate that that's the conversation people should be having. And that, yes. there is potential. And I think the fact that um, there's interest in the rest of the world, even if you just look at house music or I'm a piano or subgenres of house, um, the fact that there's a lot of interest from overseas in South African music and, and there's, there's producers who come and live here, you know, or just come and hang out here in South Africa to just soak up the vibe. It tells mm. you that there is still something here. Um, the, the problem, though, is where where the money is, you know, and maybe part of the blame for the lack of money is that is the way that it's regulated by the government. Uh, you know, the SABC, the challenges there, the royalty payments, the 
the live scene, the licensing, all that the yeah. collecting agencies. There's an endless like list of of stuff where that's kind of broken, you know. And and then in comparison to the 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 South African music industry in the 80s, like there, there isn't isn't a huge amount left, you know. Back in the day, they were like multiple labels, each employing like hundreds of people. There were a lot of jobs in the music industry, yeah. for example. Um, and now, you know, there's a handful of labels, each employing like like two or three people or lawyers or whatever. Yeah. So there's just not a lot of money floating around. There's not a lot of venues. Um, even before the lockdown, you know, people were reluctant to to maybe socialize or go out or travel, transport and travel. All these things are related and they, they all make it difficult for the music industry here to compete with with um, more developed, more wealthier countries where yes. there's more support from government, you know. so. Um, there's a lot to be angry about for artists as well. I can't just say like let's only be positive. There is a lot to be pissed off about, to protest about, and and demand from from the government. But I think at the end of the day, um, music is like a, an intrinsic part of, of South African culture and, and South African life. I think South Africans in general put more importance on music than than a lot of in other parts of the world, maybe. Um, yes. So. As long as we have that grounding and with, you know, there'll always be something here for, for musicians or South Africa will always be a special place for music. But um, the general health at the moment of the music industry is not healthy, but it's not to say that that there is no music industry, you know. Uh, obviously, it's suffered with the lockdown as well. And the, the recording industry certainly may be uh, taking a back seat, but but there's still money in music uh, for performances and for, um, you know, like uh, sync licensing and TV and games and and there's there's a million ways that, that there are plenty of ways that musicians can still make money, but it's just not in the same way that it was 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Mm -hmm. So musicians also I think have a have a lot more have a tougher time now because they have to be a lot more than just musicians uh they have to be business people as well and and often those two things are like they don't help each other you know they kind of musicians aren't always the best business people and, and mu business people aren't always musically minded you know so it's it's a tricky uh line that musicians have to tread in terms of managing their own careers and being independent because they can't rely on labels anymore either necessary to to make a living so in a nutshell, I suppose, yeah, there's a lot of challenges with the South African music industry as they are anywhere in the world with the music industry compared to the 80s or the 90s where, where record labels were just printing money and, and making massive amount of money, you know. Mm -hmm. and now things have kind of come down to earth, but but there are opportunities. It's just up to, to people to kind of, uh, I guess, adapt expand their skill set and try to uh, find a niche for themselves uh, yeah in the in this in what is left of the music industry in South Africa and I suppose also the the the, the final maybe thing to add is that um, the, the music industry is a global one you know so artists who have a of a of a caliber or, or, or just who have something unique to offer um, they're going to succeed by having a, an international audience, not just by being big in South Africa. You know, I think mm -hmm. to be big in South Africa only, you're only going to be a, a pop mainstream act. But if you're not pop 
mainstream and you want to do something different, then you have to uh, sell to the whole world. But thankfully, uh, these days, that's entirely possible. You know, we don't have like national music industries, maybe in the same way that we used to in the past when, when the world was a much bigger place, you know. Yes. Um, so, yeah, there's plenty of potential. And I think it's still, there's still, South Africa still has a lot to offer, but it's, it's not an easy road to be a, a musician. And, and I don't claim to be a musician. And, and ultimately, I'm, I'm relieved or grateful that, that I'm, 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 I'm only a DJ or I'm working in yeah. the business of music, but I'm not actually a performer because then it, it's, it's really tough. Uh, South Africa obviously has its whole, a whole another set of challenges in terms of like, uh, audiences uh you know appealing to wide audiences or, or not you know uh, and for promoters for example that's a whole there's a there's all kinds of extra challenges to be successful in south africa that the promoter in europe doesn't necessarily have to think about to yeah. the same extent but um there's plenty of 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 in that in those challenges there's also plenty of opportunities for for music to be far more powerful than just like for people to go to clubs to and, and get shit faced to the, like at three in the morning or something. It can, it ha, music has a far greater purpose and power in South Africa. And because yes. of that, I think that's what can uh, carry it through, you know, despite the lack of support from government or the lack of, of money circulating in the industry these days. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, thank you so much for taking, um, taking time out to chat. And yeah, I really enjoyed it myself. Uh, I see oh, and, uh, other, others will too. Um, yeah, so oh, it, was, it was nice just being able to to pick at your brain a bit. <laughs> oh man, thank you so much for your time and for asking those kinds of questions. I, I always appreciate, um, yeah, digging a bit deeper into it. Uh, I'm sorry my camera didn't switch on. I think my laptop's getting a bit old. <laughs> but uh, no you're having like a one-way conversation, but it's fine. Um, <laughs> But yeah, thanks thanks for your time and thanks for your interest. Um, and yeah, I look forward to 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 just to working with you again in future, man. And and for friends of friends to grow and hopefully, yeah, hopefully things can kind of return to to some kind of normality at some point in the future. You know, yeah. Yes, yes. Thank you very much. Um, chat soon. Cool, Bradley. All the best. Okay. I'll Thank you. you Bye-bye. Bye.